The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Well, if you can't preach after all that's been going on this morning, you're not worth preaching. Well, after that video, uh, it was it was difficult for me to even swallow for a couple of minutes there. Um, I was reminded of, of who we are. As Southern Baptists, we are missionary people. We care about the world hearing about Jesus. This gospel that was presented just now in this song was another manifestation of us being missionary people because we want to tell the world about Jesus. So when you invite people to come with you tonight to be a part of this, you're being a missionary to your family and to your, your community because you're allowing them to hear the story of Jesus. Now, I promised Mary I'd do a Lottie Moon sermon this, this Christmas. This is it. I, um, I, I posted this week a couple of pictures on my Facebook page, and I'm friends with a few of you, and you may have seen it, about uh, these famous fruitcakes from the the town I'm from, these these Collins Street Bakery fruitcakes. <clears throat> if you're from that part of Texas, or it's spread out since the, I grew up to other parts of Texas, there's a, a, a bakery there that I can't tell you how many. I could probably look it up, and the number will have changed, but millions of fruitcakes around the world shipped all the time. And, that, and they, they're so prolific that they have become a joke. Now, fruitcakes have been a joke for a while, that uh, if you receive a fruitcake, maybe that's not the best gift in the world. But I want to tell you, these are worth getting. If not just to get it to eat it, to resell that thing on eBay, because it probably costs $70. They're expensive. Now, I, um, one Christmas, I decided to get all of our employees fruitcakes, and uh, that was a big step for me. We got quite a few. The full-time employees, I have uh, 20 that are the full salary package sort of people, and then about total of about... 50, and uh, I did. I just couldn't do all 50, so I did 20. We bought these 20 fruitcakes, and I couldn't really uh, spend so much money that I bought all of them the $70 ones, which are too big anyway. They're about that big. I got brought it down to about the $30 ones, and they're about that big. And got these fruitcakes, we'll take them to all the people, talk to them. You know, some years I would take them other things, and they'd get their Christmas bonuses and all that, and it was a good time to talk with people. And... Um, there's one particular guy I took the fruitcake to, and he knew, we, he knows well, this is a big deal from where I'm from. He's as old as I am. He's been around a while. He, know, he, he knows that, of course, a can of fruitcakes are a big deal. I handed him the fruitcake, and in that conversation, he never, he never fully had a grip on the cake. He grabbed it like this and passed it to somebody that was walking by and said, take this. I don't want this thing. Now, he almost lost his job that day. That was a, the ultimate re-gifting. I gave a gift, and he immediately gave it to someone else. Uh, we all probably have re-gifted before. I bet if I were to take a poll around the room of all the people that are here, almost everybody here has received a gift at some time that, may, that maybe it didn't fit in their home, maybe it didn't fit them and clothing, and they just turned around, found another opportunity, gave it to someone else. How about you raise your hand if you've ever done something like that before? All right. How many of them were candles? 
Candles are good re-gifters. It's good to keep an extra candle around just in case. <clears throat> I brought the ultimate re-gifter with me today. Now we have here, I'm probably going to have to get a chair to stand this thing up. Maybe, can you see Oliver? I'll put it right here. Now, anybody know who this is? Lottie Moon. So it's the famous poster of Lottie Moon. You could cut this out, put a little board behind it, and make it stand up. This is how tall she was. This is the real life, uh, real size photo of Lottie Moon, born in 1840, just outside of, of uh, around Jefferson's home there in uh, in Virginia, and uh, she's probably the most famous Southern Baptist missionary. Now you saw all the numbers of those that have given their life before the 300. Uh, names there. You can add thousands to that of others that have, have lived, served, and died in our, in our 175 years of missions that we have had. I want to find a way to set this up so maybe, maybe Lonnie can stand up on the chair here. I want you to get a perspective of this. I brought this today for a reason because this person right here would not seem to be a formidable, formidable, strong person, would she? And she was born into a family that was wealthy. And that, that because they were wealthy, she had a, a sister also that, that were well-educated. It was before the Civil War. She, uh, she received degrees and she studied many languages. Uh, she could speak about five different languages and uh, was quite an educated person. Then the Civil War happened. Her family lost their uh, their wealth in the course of the Civil War, and um, she went to work after the after the war as a teacher. She taught there. Um, she taught in Virginia, but she also taught in Georgia. I want to read you some things about her life real quick from from a historical background on her. She was born near Monticello and uh, went to school in Charlottesville, Virginia. A professor of the school there was a pastor of, the, of a Baptist church there. Was the famous John Broadus, and Broadus later became the um, the president of the Southern Seminary in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, in um, in Kentucky. Now, upon her graduation, she became a teacher in February of 1873. She was teaching with another young woman, Miss Safford, in a girls' school in Cartersville, Georgia. In February of that year of 1873 at an associational meeting. By the way, associational meetings, we have those, don't we? That's when all these churches all around here meet together in this annual meeting and they encourage each other. It's like a revival time with a little bit of business meeting. Uh, in that meeting, Dr. R.B. Hedden stood up and proposed that the pastors and the deacons make a covenant together to pray for missions. And the following Sunday, that each one of the pastors would preach a sermon on missions to his congregation. That following Sunday, true to his promise, the, this pastor, Hedden, stood in his church in Cartersville, Georgia, and delivered an impassioned appeal on the text, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, because they are white unto harvest. It comes from John 4.35. Then he asked, he gave a, a call, a call to those that were willing to serve. And in that invitation, both Lottie Moon and Miss Safford came forward offering themselves to missions to go to China. 
This was a big deal because women weren't being sent on mission around the world at the time. There was no funding mechanism to send her on missions. Uh, her Lottie Moon's sister got a job with an agency in China that opened the door for her to apply to serve in, uh, with a mission board in China, and she was accepted and sent over. These folks had to sign a document when they went on mission that said that they would not return from the field unless they returned dead or completely disabled, where they couldn't speak. That was the, what she signed on to as a missionary. Now, I, um, this is a little bit of soapbox time for me. Can I be a soapbox preacher for just a minute? I remember in the 70s uh, when we, they, they started a thing called Master Life. And Master Life was a discipleship Bible study, and it was hard. It took about 36 weeks, I think was the length of time it took to go through that, and maybe how long it took me. It might have been 24 weeks for everybody else. But Master Life was a challenging Bible study. You would memorize scripture, you would uh, come together each week, and you would talk about large sections of scripture that you had read and the assignments you had, and it was uh, there was heavy accountability. In that memory time, you would memorize passages that told you what it meant to be a, pers- a person like Lottie Moon. A person that says, I am going to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. I'll do what he says, get rid of uh, all the things in the past, look ahead, and serve him. I want to read just a few passages of scripture that we memorized that were a part of this. You may remember one of the the more easy ones. Uh, It's a shorter version. Matter of fact, this is probably in the first three or four weeks that we memorized this. It's Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So early on we learned that a believer denies themselves and is giving everything to the Lord, and that old self is dying, and now you belong completely to him to do whatever he calls you to do in your life, no matter what... uh, blessing that might be in the moment, no matter what pain that might be in the moment, you're willing to serve. Colossians 3, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. It's a call to die. A call to follow Jesus is a call to die. Something happened about 20 years ago when we decided that we weren't reaching enough people preaching this message. We began to accommodate and try to make the gospel uh, softer and make it easier to go to church and make it easier to be a follower. And not only just easier, but also just it had to be fun too. It needed to be a production. It needed to be enjoyable. And when you come into a church, everything had to be uh, to just flow smoothly in a production, high production value setting. Y'all remember that? Have you seen that? It goes on today. It'll go on somewhere. It's going on somewhere right now where there's this high, high energy, uh, low risk, low uh, commitment, low call to serve the Lord and die to yourself. That goes on all the time. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that we are to give it all. We're to give it all. 
Whatever your hopes were, you lay them at the feet of Jesus. Whatever your desires are, you lay them at the feet of Jesus. Your physical life, you lay at the feet of Jesus. It is all His. And in the end, when uh, this life is gone and passed away, and the resurrection happens, and I am resurrected, and you are resurrected, we are called into heaven, that's when the reward comes for all that sacrifice that you do today. And the sacrifice is minimal compared to the reward. That's the soapbox. Can't be an easy, easy uh, church. We need to be a church that tells the truth. It's a call to die. That's what this lady did, by the way. This small lady, she probably weighed about 100 pounds in this picture. At one point in her life, um, matter of fact, at her death, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit, she has lost so much weight and service that uh, she was down to 50 pounds. The reason she was, but, well, I'll just tell you a little bit about the story now. So she goes to China. She goes to a uh, province called uh, Shandong. And um, in that province, she worked in one community. She has a satellite-type ministry in another community about 125 miles away. And 125 miles in the late 1800s in China was quite a trek. But she had that investment in those people there. In that community, people began to get saved. And not just a few, but thousands. And a revival swept through that region of China, it's considered the largest revival uh, in the history of that, of that country, happens out of that ministry that she had there in that small community, that small village. Now, she, uh, she lived through the Boxer Rebellion. And the Boxer Rebellion was the Chinese Civil War. The Chinese Civil War happened. This city she lived in was on the front lines. So shells would come in and crash and explode all around the house that she lived in. As a matter of fact, one shell hit the corner of her house, blew the corner of it off, and she still stayed in the home and slept through the night. Later on, when she was asked why she did that, she says, because I belong to the God of everything. And he has my life in his hand. And I had peace to sleep. Through turmoil. The lady who followed the Lord saw him work, saw people changed, gave everything she had. She had peace in the most difficult hours. She died to self, but she gained peace. Now, this particular province had a, uh, the area of China had a, a famine later at the, toward the end of her life. And during that time of famine, she went to the bank. She took out all the money she had. She used her money to feed the people of that church. She fed them and wouldn't feed herself. And that's how she got to the point of being down to 50 pounds. The mission board sent someone to take care of her, a nurse. They were going to bring her home. They took her to a ship. And she got on that ship, she laid in her berth, and as she was laying there, the nurse was there with her, she began to talk in Chinese. I believe it probably was Cantonese. And at that, when she was speaking, she was making gestures as if she was shaking hands. And the, and the lady that was with her began to understand what she was saying, and she was greeting the people that she knew 
that had given their life to the Lord in China that had gone on to be with the Lord. And in those last moments, as she greeted with great joy, those that she saw that had given their life to Christ through the, through the ministry that she had given all of her life to, uh, she, she, was, um, she, she had the joy that she was promised. All this happened on Christmas Eve. So why don't we celebrate Lottie Moon or talk about Lottie Moon or give to the Lottie Moon Christmas, Christmas offering this time of year. It's because the genesis, the beginning of this offering happened all the way back in the 1870s, the beginning of, of the International Mission Board, uh, the Women's Missionary Union, all those things began all about that same time. That offering was taken up at Christmas. And along comes Lottie Moon, lives this life, and she gave her life and passed away on Christmas Eve. It's not just some um, tradition that we have that works good with people's financial giving. If they give at the end of the year, they're going to give a little more because they can write that off next year when they do their taxes. That's not why we do it this time of year. It's a celebration of what God did through this life. Luke 10.3 says, Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If God has called you, he's called you to the very end. To the last day. To the last breath. He's called you to serve. Well, if you know me very much, you know I'm a little bit chicken about medical things. Uh, paranoid a little bit. I sort of uh, overreact about things that I shouldn't overreact about, and I don't know why I think I inherited it. There's times when uh, you could tell, by the way, uh, a week ago, I felt like nothing in the world was wrong, and uh, I felt good, had, could walk up and down stairs easy, and and all of a sudden, I have a test that tells me I got to have something checked out tomorrow, a heart test. And, there, and, and somehow, profoundly, within 24 hours, I was starting to get all get chest pains and and um, get out of breath, going to get a coke out of the refrigerator, and just I was imagining it all. You know, um, didn't want to do things, wanted to cancel appointments, but there's just too much is happening this time of year. Um, wasn't sure whether I should speak or not publicly because I might get out of breath. But you know what the call is? The call is to preach with your last breath. It's the call. So I'll see this 300 that died and I'm kind of ashamed. Kind of ashamed a little bit that I got stressed out over a test. So back in, I believe it was 19, what year was Jared born? 98. So 1997, uh, I got the opportunity to go to China. And uh, I had read these words. I had memorized these texts. I had um, been teaching them to students. I had been sending students around the world. But I had a young family with uh, three kids under, under five or two kids under five, 
one on the way, almost on the way. And um, we, uh, I was trying to establish a home and a family and take care of business at home. But God said, you need to go. Lottie Moon can go, you can go. They have planes now. We can get you there and get you back. So uh, I, got, I decided I'd go, got my uh, passport for the first time and visas and, uh, and bought a video camera because I wanted to make a final goodbye message to the kids because I was probably going to die and fly it on the way there. Um, I, that, that, I was giving it all at the moment. Got on the plane, flew to Detroit, waited in Detroit a little while, then flew on to Beijing. That flight was 13 hours. Might have been longer. It seemed like it was longer. And that flight was in a, a plane that was so wide that there were like five seats, six seats beside me. And um, next to me was a mother, her brother, and an infant. And I think they had two chairs between them. They uh, did all kinds of crazy things, trying to keep that baby going for 13 hours. Baby fell asleep laying in the chair next to me on the way, and I heard a clump in the middle of the night, and it, fall, it rolled out of the chair hit the floor. I cried for about an hour. He settled it back down. It was a tense flight. Something interesting about that flight was um, when we left Detroit, it was about, I believe it was um, about 5 p.m., Sun was kind of going, going down, starting to set. And the entire way there, we stayed with the sun the whole way there. You could see it out the window on the right. It was, you could see, see the sun. It stayed at the same time all the way there. I get there. No one's there to greet me because I, I was behind because my visa was late. And I flew a day late. I um, had to somehow talk out off of a, a piece of paper. I read things to them to tell them what uh, province I was flying to. Uh, so they said, you'll have to stay the night in a hotel. They put me in a hotel. I checked the whole room for cameras because I knew I was being spied on by communists. And um, slept through the night. Stood at the, at the uh, out of the, it was probably the 20th floor. Looked out over the downtown area. And there were so many lanes of traffic. So many. Uh, about at, at least 15, maybe 20 lanes. And no lane was determined to go this way or that way. So people were just going this way and that way next to each other and jumping lanes. It was crazy. You could have watched it all night. It was so crazy. Went and got on the plane the next morning, uh, caught a cab, got there. And it was a plane that was pretty old. It was so old, I thought, okay, this is the one. Flies were in the cabin. I mean, flies were flying around everywhere. You couldn't eat the food. They gave you something. Everything they gave you was pickled. And there was a reason because I was about to get airsick. Uh, that was supposed to help. And um, they gave me a hot towel on the way. Thought, you know, a washcloth, and it was a little bit dirty. It was, it was quite an experience. I was smuggling in a couple of suitcases loads of Bibles that I was told if I got caught, I'd be detained. So we get in there, and nobody even looks at the Bibles. They don't even care that I'm there. All they care about, there's an American there, and they want to see you know, who's the super white guy standing in the room over there. Let's go take our picture with him. I get to the university, and at the university we share the gospel. We teach in classes. Uh, we do all kinds of very amazing things. 
gospel appointment after our gospel appointment. We sat in cafes and restaurants and dorm rooms on playgrounds and shared the gospel over and over. And our group drew a lot of attention. So an official at the university decided that they wanted us to speak to as many as we could get speak to in a room at the end of the week. We, um, they brought us into an auditorium. It was probably about three times this size, and it had layers that went up, and the last seats would be at the top of this, the peak of the sanctuary back there. So you can kind of get an idea of the classroom that we're in. And there are five of us going to speak that day, and we're, stand, we're sitting over here, and in, in order, we walk up and we pull out a question uh, out, of the, uh, out of a bowl that students had passed forward uh, for us. Each person asked, was asked a different kind of question from different, different um, arenas. First one got a technology question. Thank goodness. It was him, not me. They asked him about computers. And he knew enough in that day he could talk about, um, about the computers that we use in our work and, and, all, and, and our university setting. That went real well. The next girl got up. And it had to be rigged. It was about dating. Somebody had sent down a picture about dating, asked her if she was engaged or not. And uh, she talked about that for a little bit. And then someone else came up, and I was last, and I reached in the bowl, and I pulled out a question, and it said, Can you help me? I feel like I'm at the bottom of a fathomless well, and I do not have any hope. Can you tell me how to have hope? And we were told that we could not speak of Jesus publicly in that meeting, unless we were asked. And that sounded like to me I was being asked. It was a, not a nervous room, but it was a busy room. And there were people talking in one corner while someone was talking and eating. And uh, there was a, a big hobby among engineers at the time. They would spin, they would twirl their pins uh, like little batons the whole time. I don't know if you've seen people do that. And that was going on in the room, and people sitting in the far back didn't want to be there. And all kinds of things were happening in the room. So I began to talk about what it meant to have hope when you feel like you're at the bottom of a fathomless well. And I told the story about when I met Jesus. When I began to talk about Jesus, the entire room froze. Not a person talked, no one twirled a pin. No one fidgeted, no one ate, no one uh, moved and, and got out, walked out of the room. Nothing happened. They froze. And for about 10 minutes, I shared the gospel to that room and told them what it meant to be saved and give their life to Jesus. And at the end of that, when I told the, 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 the final line of that story, there was about five seconds of silence. And then the room erupted with applause, and people stood and gave a standing ovation for the story of Jesus. Now, I don't know who got saved that day. They didn't let me give an invitation. But I knew people heard about the Lord. So standing there, I thought about her. thought about her for a lot of reasons. I got to go to her home while I was there. I got me put over here and get the chair out of the way. Got to go to her home, the one that was hit by the, uh, the mortar shell. Got to stand in there. Got to go to her church. Got to stand and look down into the baptistry where all those thousands were baptized. 
So just for a moment, for 10 minutes, I got to be a part of this history. It was amazing. Worth sacrifice. It was worth the sacrifice. So we finished that. We went back to Beijing as a group. They took us on tours everywhere. Um, toured the Great Wall. I got to ride a camel next to the Great Wall. Got to climb the Great Wall and hear all the stories. Uh, ate in a restaurant. They brought out a fish. who still had eyes in its, in its head. Crossed me out. Had to eat it anyway because you had to be nice about that kind of thing. Then we did touristy things. We went to the silk market. Bought some pearls. Bought a bunch of pearls. Brought home more pearls than I'll ever buy again, I promise you. Because they were cheap. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) She knew. I think we still have those pearls someplace. Everybody got pearls for Christmas that year. Kind of went back to being an American. Didn't take long. The call to follow Jesus is a call to die to yourself. I've preached to congregations all over the country of all sizes. From from rural communities where They lived so far out in the country that even the Episcopalians were snake handlers. It was out there. And I preached in churches in big cities. When you call the believers to die to self and to serve him, there will be people that give up everything and answer the call. There may be somebody today, you may be 60, you may be 20, you may be 85, you may own the biggest business in town, you may have nothing at all, and God is saying to you, I want you to give it all up and follow me and let me use you for the reason you were created, to tell people about Jesus. It can happen. Preach this message in... um, I believe it was a little town south of Arkadelphia starts with a G, Garden, Garden, Arkansas. And in the crowd sat a man right up here up the front. He owned the only hardware store in town. Uh, probably one of the best deacons you ever met in your life. He did do anything you asked him to do. Never talked about anybody poorly. He uh, was sharing the gospel all the time, giving things away. And that day he says, I'm giving it all. And he sold his hardware store, gave it up, went to a a one-year term of training with a seminary and was gone as a missionary. 60 years old. He may be calling you. He might be. That's my Lottie Moon message. This lady heard the call to die. And did it. It's not too much to ask us to do a little few things around the church, is it? When you put it in perspective. It's not too much to ask at all. Let's pray.
Father, we all have fear. And the enemy uses that fear to distract us from our the purpose that we were created. We were created to be your ambassadors to a lost world. To the thousands that are dying, to the 173,000 that will die today that don't know Jesus. To the 3,100 groups of people around the world that have never heard about Jesus, we're called to die to self so that they may know. Every penny that we scrape together and put it in an envelope and put into an offering plate to give to, to missions, Lord, that is being given for your, your work, your service, so that people around the world will hear about Jesus. So whatever petty insecurity we may have right now, we lay it at the altar. Father, we say yes. Here am I, send me. How long should we go? Till it's done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.